0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writingexcuses. Season 14 Episode 51
1: this is writing excuses, a farewell to world building. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dan and I'm Howard. And it is the end of another year. Uh, you are all done world building. You never have to do it again. Yay! Uh, Yay.
2: <laughs> it's about time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um no, this is the the episode where we just kind of, you know, wrap things up with a bow on it um and talk about Uh, Anything we think we might have missed. Uh, My first question, though, to you will be, what are your favorite examples of world building through all pieces of media? Are there just anything that you really love, something you saw or read recently that you thought had fantastic world building? I'll go ahead and start. Um, We're about a year out from it now, but when we're recording, we're recording this uh, quite ahead of time. A few months ago, I saw the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I loved it. It is One of my favorite movies of all time already, and part of it was the just fantastic use of world building. You would think a cross-dimension plot where you have to deal with the fact that there are alternate realities—I've tried to write these, they're very Um, hard—would be difficult. You would think that introducing multiple brand-new characters would be difficult. They just knocked it out of the park, and they used the things that visual mediums can use that really make me annoyed— and mad because I can't do it um, to have a really distinctive. Yeah, I'm looking at Howard. Really distinctive visual style that accentuates your world building in interesting ways. If you haven't seen the movie, you know
3: having yeah. the opportunity to say this, where I can actually go on the record and say mm. this. To this point, you know, pre-Spider Verse, uh, Marvel and many other companies had shown us what a superhero movie could be. Marvel finally came around and showed us what a comic book movie can be. Mm -hmm. Uh, They used tools that we've seen them touch on before. Yeah, the old Ang Lee Hulk
1: tried to do it. The Ang Ang Lee
3: Hulk tried to do it. The, you know, 24 actually flirted with it a little bit. The fact that the gradients around a flashlight used halftone beads uh, to suggest that the flashlight was itself shining on a com- oh it, yeah oh, it I was, got chills always amazing um and the way, <laughs> um, the and way, the way that you'd
1: use sound effects with the visual uh writing out the words which you think would be cheesy you'd think it'd be like the old batman tv show and it wasn't at any moment cheesy it accentuated the story in really fascinating ways
2: great world building that's awesome um one of my favorites from this year was the movie annihilation i've not read the vandermeer book that it's based on um but what really struck for me, what really hit home and clicked was the way that the world building of the Shimmer, the premise is that there's this weird alien effect called the Shimmer and people go into it and they get lost. And so this group of, of women scientists go in and they uh, the, the, the world they encounter is so unique and complete unto itself, yet also perfectly engineered to expose and challenge all of the problems that they have as characters, I have never seen such a brilliant marriage of character arc and world as in the movie *Annihilation*. It's really just so well done.
0: I talk about this book a fair bit, which is uh, Lara Elena Donnelly's *Amberlow*, and the world building that she's done in that—it just it feels like a real historical place. Um, and it's small details, um, like uh, the, the stuff that she does with uh, gender, where there the are young women who, who dress in suits and they're called razors. And they're called razors because they shave their heads. Um, uh, the cigarettes are, you know, not called fags. They're called straights. Uh, just small touches. It's so good. She swears she didn't do that one on purpose. I'm like, you're lying to me. <laughs> it it's just small things all the way through um uh, a, a marriage of three people is called an old marriage because it's in an older style and and it, it these lovely things because it and it also normalizes it in a different way it's just oh uh, it's such graceful details kind of all the way through um uh, multiple cultures with um and she uses language and uh, sentence structure to communicate that it's it's so
2: good I'm actually going to mention another one on a totally different angle here. Um, This year I encountered a role-playing game called The One Ring, which is obviously based on Lord of the Rings. And so it's not that it created its world, but it translated Tolkien's world, Tolkien's Middle Earth, into the mechanics of the game beautifully. Like the, the way that, you know, Tolkien's book... Your ability to have or instill hope is even more important than your ability to kill a monster, and I've never seen that done in a game. And the One Ring captures it just flawlessly.
3: Now, I've got uh, I've got two examples. One of them is Larry Niven's Known Space, which was my introduction to multi-book uh, sci-fi world building. I'd read Lord of the Rings prior to that. Um, But this was the first time I'd seen it in science fiction. And the reason I love it is that it was used for short story after short story, and it started to feel like home. And then as an adult, I picked up a collection from Niven, and one of the things that was in there was an outline for a novel that totally destroys known space and says, I'm done with it because he and I think Jerry Purnell had talked about how many holes there were in his world building and he just wanted to burn the whole thing down. And he had this outline and then came up with the idea for Ringworld and put Ringworld in known space. And his publisher said, Ringworld's doing really well. You're not allowed to burn anything down, my friend. (laughs) Um, I love, I love that. Because he took a thing which, yeah, the more I look at it, the more broken it is. It's broken in a lot of ways. And yet, for telling the stories that he wanted to tell, it continues to work. Um, the, the other example, uh, Elder Scrolls Online has a, had a lore master, Lawrence Schick, whose job it was to take all of the Bethesda games, uh, all of the Bethesda Elder Scrolls games, and have a consistent lore within this MMO. And the first thing he discovered is you guys have not been consistent. And so he 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 made he made one ironclad rule, which is every single piece of lore we present to uh, we present to players is presented from the perspective of someone in world who is an unreliable narrator that is the only possible out that we have for for this mess and and what's fun is that as a writer i can see this as i consume the the in-game lore and and i love it he just retired from from doing elder scrolls online which i assume means they have somebody waiting in the wings to uh, to do their lore that is the sort of job which if i were not Currently making a living on my own IP, I would love.
4: BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code Champion150. Then BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Let's stop and do a book of the week. Dan, you're going to tell us about...
2: Yeah, I want to tell you about Sakura Intellectual Property. And this... I'm going to talk a little bit more about the story behind this, and I'm going to do it very quickly. Don't worry. Um, A very good friend of mine named Zach Hill um, passed away a couple of years ago. Out of the blue. He's about 35 years old. Had a heart attack at work. No one saw it coming. Uh, He's a very good author, and he was about halfway through this cyberpunk book called Sakura about a heavy metal rock star android who gets hacked and turned into an assassin. And, uh, so a couple of other local authors who were also good friends of his picked up the banner, finished that book and it's out now and you can read it. And 100% of the proceeds go to Zach's widow. None of it goes to the other people that helped finish the project and publish the book. Um, it is a really cool cyberpunk, um, she is a heavy metal singer, and every chapter begins with a playlist where they will list three, four, five heavy metal songs that pertain in some emotional way to the chapter. It's really fun and very cool, and uh, like I said, for a good cause and a good guy.
1: Um, all right, so backside of this uh, podcast, any world-building um, pet peeves you have that uh, we haven't had a chance? <laughs> oh, damn, Let's so talk about Star Trek. Okay.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> and the angry letters begin immediately. Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a gigantic rant about Star Trek Discovery, but I'm going to turn it into a very small rant about
3: Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> I don't want to, but...
2: <laughs> but I also very much want to. Um <laughs> One of the issues that Star Trek started running into as soon as it was kind of resurrected by the Abrams movies and then again for Star Trek Discovery is the current creators, the current bearers of the flag are so obsessed with the idea of Star Trek's past, and yet they continue to put in technologies that break the world building into a thousand billion pieces (laughs) – And there's no way to fix those. And, you know, someone like J.J. Abrams, that is not what he is concerned about. He is trying to tell a very cool story. Continuity is a secondary, if not tertiary, concern. But uh, things like in, in Star Trek Discovery, which is not Abrams at all, it's CBS, they have a drive that will basically let a starship teleport across the galaxy. That breaks the world so hard. Um, And it's very hard. I mean, even if you ignore the rest of the series and you're looking only at Star Trek Discovery by itself, that technology breaks everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they do not consider it and they do not deal with the ramifications. I would be fascinated by a story that took the I can teleport anywhere in the universe technology and actually treated it like a real thing. And they just use it as an excuse to go wherever they want to go, you know? So so my pet peeve is
1: kind of along a similar lines in that I feel like people who have pet peeves about world building have pet peeves about the wrong things. And you have a <laughs> pet peeve about the right sort of thing. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, thank when you for that caveat. When people complain about world building that was done intentionally and is in service of the story. Um, my big example from the season, you know, is World of Hats. It is a legit complaint that, you know, taking a planet and making it a monoculture um, is in some ways bad world building. But it was good world building for the stories they wanted to tell in the given episodes of Star Trek that that, uh, that, that mm-hmm. trope came from. And obviously there are, there are things to consider about this and stuff like that. But when someone complains about Star Wars and says, oh, it has a nice planet and a desert planet and this planet, that's obviously just terrible world building. I say, that is really good world building. For Star Wars, yeah, that it is what they're trying fills the to do. Purpose
2: that they are trying yes. to get across,
1: and it's not lazy, and it's not bad. It is simply the type of storytelling that they want to do. And anytime we start saying, you know, giving a value judgment to them, this type of world building is great and this type of world building should never be used, then all you're doing is locking cool tools in a closet and saying, no, you can't touch these. You can't, you know, use that circular saw anymore because mm-hmm. we've decided that that one, you know, is good for no projects whatsoever. Um, so
3: that's my pet. And and just because The, of circular, circular, s- one the yeah. circular saw yeah. is in the closet because of the number of fingers it's claimed. Yeah, well. it has nothing to do with its use. Um, well, it has everything to do with how people <laughs> use it, mm-hmm. nothing to do with how useful it is. Um, my pet peeves. Uh, you aren't required to have one. You can just be, you know. You know I can
2: just keep talking about I, Star Trek
3: We gathered <laughs> with that. Um, fundamentally, for me, I want the world building to flow from the story. And, uh, you know, a movie trailer that begins with, in a world, that's okay. Because you got two minutes to tell me you know, movie trailer. But when your movie begins in a world, I'm sad. Uh, I just let it, let me discover it. Let me discover it. And I think part of this is that Hollywood hadn't figured it out yet. They've gotten better. Uh, they, they've realized that people who come to these movies want to have that experience But it's still, every time it happens, it just makes me so sad.
1: You know what I think it is? Um, This is just me guessing. But I think a lot of the stories that start with these uh, things in the movies, it's because some studio exec got the movie and said, I don't understand this, or audience will not understand this. Add a voiceover at the beginning that explains the entire story, and maybe a little uh, animatic or something like this, in order to... Explain what our movie is, because everyone's going to be
3: lost, and so almost you're always those ruin it. Translating my pet peeve, yeah. you're mapping my pet peeve onto rich dude missing clues, <laughs> ruins things for other people. You're not wrong. Mm. Yeah, no, that that is a. I have a pet peeve about that. Just outside of stories, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so
0: for me, it's it's when. People don't think about the interconnectedness of stuff. I get yes. so annoyed when there is a piece of technology that shows up in one place and has no ramifications on anything else, mm-hmm. or or when a character has knowledge like uh, *Hunger Games*. This is not technology, but it was. I just couldn't get past it. Um, the uh, so first of all, there's the economics of *Hunger Games*, which m- makes no f- sense at all. But the other thing was that she has all of this this knowledge of botanical things and plants and things. And then she gets transported across the country and all of it applies to this entirely new ecosystem. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. It's not how that works. And also blackberries don't grow in bushes. They grow in brambles, but I'm fine. (laughs) I totally have no problems.
1: You know, there's, a, there's an old cover from the Silver Age of uh, comic books where it's, you know, uh, young Batman and young Superman as kids oh gosh, yes. are looking <laughs> at Batman's or Superman's time machine thing where he's showing and saying, hey, look, in the future, I'll become Superman and you'll become Batman and we'll be best friends. And every person who looks at that cover says, you know what would be a good use for being able to look in the future at your friend's? future is to tell him his parents get murdered in a (laughs) little while in a in in an alleyway um maybe you could use it to solve crime superman instead of say look we're gonna be best buddies (laughs) all right Uh, we have Uh rented enough uh last question any big mistakes you've made in world building in a story that you would (laughs) do differently now if you could change it
2: okay so in, in the partials universe I wrote the entire thing, and I did all this stuff, you know, how are they going to get electricity to power their stuff, are they going to be able to use cars, what are they going to have to do the one time that I really need them to get a generator started after the gas has already gelled. After the book was published, and I'd come up with all these different transportation workarounds, somebody said, why don't they ever ride bikes? (laughs) So yeah, I kind of forgot the, the really easy, ever present. Transportation system that does not require animal power or electricity. No, or yeah, I
1: told I've told you before that I put bikes into the last Steelheart book specifically because you had had that frustration mm-hmm. and you had published. Them. I'm like, oh, I can I can put them in. I'm gonna uh, do it now. This uh, bicycle's, bicycles for Dan. You,
3: Dan.
1: <laughs> There's a scene where they ride bicycles specifically because I heard you complaining that you mm-hmm. hadn't managed to do that. And I'm like, well, thanks yeah. for failing, Dan, so that I won't. <sighs> Anything else you guys got?
0: Uh, so I I. I can tell you a, a continuity error.
1: Oh, let's, let's hear it. That I told you about this. Oh, yes. This is great.
0: This is, uh, so this is one of those things where you do all of the, re- you think it through, and still you manage to make a mistake that gets past your editor, your proofreaders, your beta readers. It gets past, apparently, all of my fans up to this point. Welcome to my world. <laughs> In the Lady Astronaut book... I talk about the seven original astronauts, the the Artemis 7, you know, I thought about that and then and then there's seven men and then we we have the seven the seven women astronauts to match the seven men. So I'm working on the new book and I needed to have all seven women there and I'm writing down the names and I can only come up with six of them. Cuz there are only six. <laughs> there are only six women.
1: <laughs> Somehow same, we all missed it. I
4: completely. hadn't completely.
1: Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> They're called. Okay. You mentioned, you know, seven women in the room, but you only name six Sig- of them repeatedly. Y- yep. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's so great. Someone. It's because Some, so un- they left an extra plate at the table for right. Isaiah okay. when he shows up. Bad
3: math. So, which so, is unfortunate. Right. <laughs> I know, it's
0: a shame that they're all being hired as computers. <laughs> and that my main character's forte is math, and she's like, there are four wit four American women, and three, and there's like, nope, there's three American women.
2: Well, clearly it, there's another one who's just very quiet.
0: So, and and she has the same name as one of the other characters, and that's why yeah. sometimes one of them, sometimes it's Betty mm-hmm. and sometimes it's Rain. It's you know, it's it's two different people you're yeah. talking about. It's not a continuity error.
2: That makes and perfect Ralph. sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, was,
0: oh, I yeah. sat there and I stared at. I'm like, I can't. There's no fix.
2: That's the there best one no I've fix ever heard at all. of. <laughs> just, I We all do so this, <laughs> but that is the, the most See, amazing. What you one. do now is you run like a campaign. <laughs> <and> she <laughs> the seventh lady astronaut.
3: <laughs> actually the Artemis Sven. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a typo it's certainly. Not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. All right, it's because it's clearly six lady astronauts are worth seven male yes. astronauts
0: yes, exactly
2: um I'm gonna
1: wrap this up. uh thank you everyone for listening. There will be an episode next week. It'll be a wild card uh so we are done with the topic of world building um and next year we're actually going to come back with uh kind of a new slightly new format that we're gonna do for a few years because we've we've done a good job these last five years of really kind of tackling um our, our kind of master class
3: We like to think we've done a good job. We like, it, like to right? think <laughs> we've done a good
1: job, starting with, you know, the write a novel and then the elemental genres, and then we've done mm. se- uh, plot, setting, and character. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to take a different uh, approach on it next year. So show up in two weeks, and we will tell you how we're going to do that. Uh, for now, we're giving you no homework because enjoy the holidays and enjoy the end of the year. Get some writing done or just, t- just relax.
0: Or, you know, if you want to buy a gift for someone, I'll just point out that the Writing Excuses Cruise is open for registration.
1: This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go have a nice holiday.
0: Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson.